0: All right. Today is Wednesday, April 27th, 2016, this is episode 158 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me tonight is Mr. Andrew Callit.
1: Hi, Jerry. How are you this fine Wednesday evening?
0: Super duper. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking.
1: Good. Sorry we are late, by the way, on the show.
0: My fault. Totally my fault. Wow, do we catch some hell on Twitter when that happens. Yeah. I mean, I, we love it. I would just, Clearly. I would just like to say that I'm very sorry. You, you all didn't... know who you are. It is my fault. I accept <laughs> responsibility. I've been very busy.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's okay. I mean, tell you what, half off the next episode.
0: That's right. We we're running a sale. <laughs> so,
1: but we're here tonight, and it it probably will be a somewhat abbreviated show. Because we're gearing up for a big episode next.
0: That's right. We'll just leave that tease. Absolutely. We'll give a little more tease at the end of the show. That's right. Pay attention. Listen. So, anyway, enough of all that. So let's get into our stories. Hey, before we do.
1: Yes. Thoughts and opinions are ours and ours alone. That's right. They do not represent our employers, past, present, or future.
0: Even or, if they so, even if they do, right? or other dimensional. Yeah. So uh, our first story, and and there's a there's a definite theme here. Um, we we have some follow ups to the Bank of Bangladesh hack, and just before the show, Andy and I were we're talking about how interesting it is, uh, how a little bit of data can. Go a long way in an investigation or at least a public investigation. So, uh, the first story comes from the BAE Systems blog. And uh, apparently, what happened, as far as best we can tell, someone post someone from Bangladesh apparently uh, uploaded a file to, I guess, is VirusTotal, as far as I can recall. And um, in the analysis, this a uh, group at BEAE Systems determined that, now, I, I, we want to be a little bit careful about this, right? Th- they determined that this piece of malware apparently was tailored to the Bank of Bangladesh and looked like it would have facilitated the, in some way, shape, or form the, the, the uh, attempted theft of a billion dollars and the actual theft of 81 million dollars and uh um, what what's interesting though is we don't actually know for sure that this piece of malware was specifically used you know it could have like like you had said earlier it could have been a uh, first version uh, a version uh, one no, or version right. two
1: i i mean clearly it's incredibly targeted at swift and the bangladesh bank so it, i mean the odds of it not being involved are very 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 low but right this was something that got submitted to, as let's say in the story, an online virus checker. But We're assuming, there's that word, assuming virus total. And they got it from VirusTotal. Now, when they start ripping this thing apart, it is fascinating what this thing does and indicates that the folks, assuming that this is the folks, but the folks behind this bank heist had incredibly robust and deep knowledge of the SWIFT system, the underlying database behind it, uh, the operating systems it runs on, how the transactions work, how how the messaging works, uh, how the Bangladesh system in in specific worked with Swift. I mean, deep, deep knowledge that that either was accumulated over an extensive amount of time with a lot of people or they were deeply involved in underlying architecture. Like even folks who worked at, at the bank, Wouldn't know this level of detail unless they were deep coders and ripped apart the code.
0: Yeah. And and, and, by the way, having said that, when you really get into it, there isn't anything that's all that complicated. You know, it's, but it does, but but it does require a lot of intimate knowledge for sure. I I absolutely agree. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, kind of jumping ahead in the story, one piece of the malware knows specifically where to replace bytes of code to, in essence, nullify a validation check. Right. So it's targeting this one tiny little piece of, of segment of the code that says, "Hey, is this valid?" And in essence, always returns a yes. You know, right. it. Now that is so specific and targeted.
0: Yeah, and they they have a um, they basically put a shim in the database driver. So this the, the way this works is apparently there's a there's a, a fat client that runs on the system. Right. It's win. It's clearly Windows, right? Everything's very Windows-esque in this write-up. Uh, so there's a there's a fat client, Windows-based fat client, and then there this Swift system talks to a Oracle database. And so this piece of malware uh, effectively puts a shim in between the fat client and the Oracle database, and it is periodically, uh, I think it's every five seconds, if I'm not mistaken, it's looking to see if uh, if the the operator has logged in, and it's specifically looking for the username, the Swift account username of the Bangladesh Bank. So it's not like it just accidentally <laughs> happened on there. It's hard coded in the malware, um, the the username of the the bank. Anyway, if it saw a lo- successful login, it actually reached out and contacted a command and control host on the internet. Just basically did a you know HTTP get to a an IP address, which by the way, is kind of the first point that I wanted to talk about here. If you've got a system that is, uh, you know, passing around billions of dollars and you have it in a locked room, which the, there were uh, the background here's for those who didn't hear last, last time, there were four, uh, four servers in a locked room, right? Um, no windows on the eighth floor of the bangladesh bank building uh obviously they were you know that this was taken as, as pretty serious stuff um however apparently had the ability to reach out and touch a command and control host on the internet which is uh, not a good thing right it's that's um uh, this is one of those deals where if, if you if you're trying to protect that much money you know, you, you really need to be thinking about defense in depth. And, you know, th- there was, by the way, and I'm jumping ahead here, the other big flap in the news uh, related to this was that a um, uh, an investigator from Bangladesh was quoted as saying that, you know, effectively there was no firewall and they were using $10 switches or routers. It's very unclear, which they were... If it was a switch or a router, uh, and <laughs> it, it, it could be both. It could be both. <laughs> well, I, I mean, actually, it could be. It could be like you know, a Netgear I with a four-port yeah. switch on the back, and <laughs> absolutely,
1: that, that technology does exist now. I know this is mind-blowing.
0: That, it, it is. And anyway, that you know, it's, yeah. so so there's a lot of lot of blame being put or, put on them for you know, haha! Look at the stupid bank. They lost a billion dollar, almost lost a billion dollars because they used a $10 switch. And my, you know, I actually wrote something about this. My retort to that is, it's four systems, right? It's four systems in one room, a locked room. And, you know, in my mind, I'm, in, I'm envisioning, by the way, four systems sitting under a table with four monitors on top of the table. And they're all plugged into one, you know, Netgear hub or switch or router, whatever. And then that in turn plugs into the into a wall plate which goes onto the you know the general bank network that's kind of what it sounds like by the way it's
1: it's definitely possible and we don't know enough about the initial attack vector to know if that was truly in play or not
0: yeah that and that's by the way a very material point that we have yeah. we really have no idea of the the initial point of compromise
1: no certainly the cnc call out is something that you could argue well they weren't doing good out down outbound uh traffic controls but that could be happening on anybody's firewall of any type that is a very very common problem yes and again um i, I gotta be honest with something of this level of sophistication that we're seeing in this code i think they would have found a port open outbound most likely
0: well th- th- i mean that's that's true i guess my, my where i'm at is you know if if i were doing this right if if someone asked said hey I w- you know we want to do this and we want to do it on the cheap right i would take that i would take that 10 dollar netgear router and you know i would i would not allow anything inbound and i would not allow anything outbound except to the explicit place that thing needs to go i'm assuming it has to talk to a you know some swift uh server off in the cloud somewhere uh, and it probably is no business talking to anything else. And I can only assume, by the way, that, you know, that thing being in all, those those four systems being in a locked room probably offered an attractive place to go and surf things that were maybe not allowed on, you know, the rest of the network. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, let's be clear. They're going after a billion dollars. Uh, it probably would not be out of the realm of possibility to get a box on the environment with a... You know, a three G dongle, if I really needed to get in and out.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's a, there's a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of different is, ways to get around this. This is this was a well orchestrated, uh, you know, kind of Ocean's Eleven type. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> that.
1: It's it's impressive, and you know, when you read through the rest of the, the 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 breakdown of this malware, and again, let me be very clear because this is getting lost in the news. There's an assumption that this is the malware that was being used. It's probably a safe assumption because it's so specific to this particular environment. But we, we have no confirmation that this malware was found live in this environment. This just came from, we think, virus tunnel. But, okay, with that being said, these guys were smart. They knew that every time a transaction was done over the Swift network, a hard copy was printed out out of a local printer. So they knew to manipulate that as well. They were able to overwrite and change the, uh, the printouts to be whatever they wanted them to be. <clears throat> so it didn't show the fraudulent transaction. Because part of what's going on here that we didn't fully explain is that when it would capture the credentials and then talk to the CNC, when they were doing the actual transfers, they were then covering their tracks. So it wasn't that, hey, we got the transfer, great, go away. They, they would cover their tracks. So that there was very little evidence that that transfer actually happened, which is, by the way, how this whole story story started, which was <laughs> Bangladesh Bank went to uh, the U.S. Fed and said, hey, where's our money? Yeah. <laughs> Psst, have you seen our 81 million dollars? It was just here a minute ago. Uh, and so anyway, they, 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 they back to this printer thing. They know how to overwrite that and then change it. But it's so specific; it actually calls out a specific printer model by name. Right, the HP in... LaserJet
0: 400 M401. Yes, <laughs> not a sponsor.
1: Uh, by name, in the actual malware. So clearly, incredibly targeted. If this was the malware in play.
0: Yeah, and you know what's what? What doesn't doesn't sink well in this story, by the way, is the. The orchestration that went into you know, producing this piece of malware, which was apparently used—I mean, we're assume, we'll just assume for the time being that it was the malware used to facilitate this crime—it doesn't, it doesn't. Whoa, whoa!
1: S- alleged crime. Alle- Watch it, buddy. Well,
0: well, we know there was a crime. Okay, that's true. They're, they're, trying to get it sued. I don't think there's any doubt. Our that there lawyers was a are crime. still
1: drinking in Tijuana. Be careful.
0: That's true. We, we do have to be careful. Um, w- what doesn't sink well is the you know the fact that, that uh, the whole reason this was caught and it wasn't 951 billion dollars stolen and it was only 81 billion dollars was they made a spelling mistake and a really bad smelling mistake in, uh, in one of the transactions. And I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around how that I mean I, I guess maybe it's a different team.
1: Every organization has a bell curve of talent. (laughs) (laughs) All right? Yep. And certain people get assigned different jobs. Uh. And all the bad guys have the same Peter Principle. They rise to their level of incompetence.
0: Well, it is true. I mean, they organize crime now, right? Maybe, maybe somebody on the bad
1: guy team had this crisis of conscience,
0: and it was intentional. And and mm. he, hey, you know, could be. That's a that's an interesting theory, my friend.
1: He was like the bad guy bank heist version of Snowden.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's my theory. he just he just derailed the whole train.
1: Speaking of derailing train, the, the trailer for the Snowden movie came out today. Yeah. And if you take any reference to the CIA and replace it with Facebook, trailer still works perfectly well. Plot flows perfectly. <laughs> Just saying.
0: Nice. I will have to go watch that now.
1: Especially when you remember that for a while the Facebook app on phones like had the mic on all the time. Do you remember that? Did they turn, like, Did they turn that off? Yeah, I think, well, <laughs> I hope so. I don't know. Well, okay. I, I,
0: didn't, I, I didn't think <laughs> they turned that off. Okay. Anyway, back to Bangladesh. Yes. Yes.
1: So yeah, typo in the code. That's a good, that's an interesting point.
0: Well, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm assuming that the transactions were not hard coded. I think what my, my read of the kind of the, the situation is that this piece of malware was planted somehow on one or more of these systems. It, it watched for someone to be to log in. Once once that person logged in, it beaconed out to the command and control, and from there it, b- it gets a little nebulous as to what happened. I'm assuming that the command and control then pushed down some instructions on on the transactions because you know that had to come from somewhere. It wasn't in the malware; the, the, those transactions yeah. weren't in the malware. So I'm assuming that you know the 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 actual transaction details were being fed to it. Through a command and control host, um, and so maybe there was a data entry person on the other side who did have you know either either they had reached that you know that their their Peter principal level, or they did have that crisis of conscience, or, or they were drunk. Well, I mean you know
1: it could I, have been autocorrect. Damn you, autocorrect.
0: Foundation? <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> so. Uh you know, they they they're just gonna have to console themselves with their eighty one million.
0: Yeah. It sounds like by the way, that that um the Philippine police have been driving a van around and picking up just like literally picking people up off the street related to this <laughs> damn thing. So. Was it you? Was it you? Was it you? <laughs> so shaking uh, up for bitcoins. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So um so that that kind of dovetails to our our next story, which uh, is from Threatpost, and and it uh, heavily relies on the one we just we just talked about. But it also ties in that ten dollar network switch discussion, which I I I think that does dis, does disturb some additional discussion because you know I I really think that and I and I said this on online that you know. The problem wasn't the ten-dollar network switch. You know, you you could have given them, uh, you know, a ten thousand-dollar Cisco switch and a fifty thousand-dollar Checkpoint firewall or whatever. And if if they didn't have the talent to run it, that switch probably would have been set just like the ten-dollar switch, and the firewall would have had an any-any accept policy. And you know, here we here we
1: especially especially outbound. Right. Right. You, you know, nat it out outbound anything, which is incredibly common. Good
0: to I, go. I, all I'm saying is it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take a next generation firewall to protect four systems. That's all I'm saying. That's, hey, you I know, agree. I know that's a crazy thought.
1: You know, here's the other thing that I did want to make really quick,
0: which was
1: if you go back and you look at the, the malware, how, it was covering its tracks. This is a fundamental thing to get your head around, which is that once that box is owned by a smart enough adversary, you can't trust a damn thing it does or says. Yes. So all of their checks and balances of, oh, we'll also print out a thing that tells us stuff. Can't trust that, right? right? So if you're truly trying to build some check and balances, you've got to keep in mind, what if this box was owned at a kernel level? Everything in this box was being manipulated, how would I still double check what's going on and know about it?
0: Right. Yeah. And in that in that particular case, you really wouldn't want something out of band. I mean, for just it it blows my mind that there's this much money flowing through this system and um there there apparently isn't a lot of additional control beyond you know that printout. You know, and and, and so it's, it's it seems fairly rudimentary, and it was designed, I would say. You know, with, with uh, w- without a modern view of threats in mind. And and that's a you know that's that's a a really big problem. Um, and and actually that the 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 next story we had, and well, we're bouncing all over the place, comes from CSO, and and this one uh, the title is. Swift Banking Network warns customers of cyber fraud cases. And they actually indicate, apparently, Swift sent out a a notice saying that um, there have been a number of recent incidents involving similar types of of activities to what happened to uh, the, uh, the Bangladesh Bank, which, you know, we don't really have any information about any of the other attacks. However, uh, it kind of leads one to think that you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe this is uh, a part of a, a broader campaign. It's kind of makes sense that an organized crime syndicate that would spend that much time, you know, tailoring something would would uh, you know go off and or it's carefully crafted
1: PR legal spin.
0: Well, I mean, that's certainly possible as well.
1: I'll just be cynical for a moment, but no, I, I would agree with you. Uh, and you know, Swift at, at, at a fundamental level too is is under attack here for the integrity of their system. I'm sure a lot of banks who use it are looking these
0: at, at the Swift system and the software, going, "What the heck, guys?" Yeah, but I th- you know I think that to their credit, there isn't there isn't any indication that the you know the back end of Swift has been. You know, has been compromised, it's all at the end point. And I, but I think, the, I think the challenge is that the fundamental design relies very heavily on the integrity of the endpoints. And that kind of relies on people or organizations like the Bank of Bangladesh having robust controls, which was, as it turns out, a bad assumption.
1: Yeah, and if we go back to the original breaking of this story, there was some figure pointing going on that now makes more sense. Where the Bank of Bangladesh was going, uh, Fed or you know whoever it was who was holding their money, uh, you guys suck. And they went, no, no, nope, not us, you. And now this is starting to make more sense. Of uh, you came, somebody on your organization came to us with valid commands and valid passcodes and everything was valid, so it wasn't us. Right. Uh, whereas the Bank of Bangladesh was saying, well you know, you still should have caught it. You should have validated this further. So I'm wondering for the back end if there's some additional sort of confirmation and protocols being put in place that of course ultimately will slow down the system.
0: Which is bad. Yeah. Possibly so. I you know, I I I have it, it's not hard to think that if you are something of a layperson banker and you know, you have a piece of software that is you know, running on a computer in a locked room and anytime you make a transaction it prints out a line. That seems like it gives you a lot of you know it seems like it should be pretty reliable, right? It should be pretty airtight. And I think I
1: don't think so. I saw Oceans Eleven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think I think right no, I, now, g- I, get what, I get what you're saying. Right now they're seeing the error of their ways. But I you know, I th- I, I think that uh, it's not hard to get to the point where um, there was a mis, you know, kind of a mis, misunderstanding, you know, where where the Swift network and the Federal Reserve Bank in the U.S. was saying, oh, you know, you you need to have certain precautions in place, and you know, the, these at least the bank of Bangladesh and possibly others were saying, holy the cow, this seems like a really robust system. Let's just slap it on the old network, and you know. I
1: wonder if Swift uh, ever published any sort of security guidelines for their systems.
0: I I don't know. Um I, uh, well, I, I know that there was another story I read which said that after the break in uh the f- some delegates from the Federal Reserve Bank went to the Bank of Bangladesh and uh left them with some actions to take to correct their network security. And, and they didn't go into any additional details, but you know, there was a I think a comment of from one of the bank employees saying something like, you know, it would have been good if they would have told us that before. (laughs) Something like that.
1: When there's $81 million missing, people are going to get a little defensive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think that, I think it is interesting to point out that, you know, here is a, an example of an attack that is relatively well orchestrated. I think it's probably pretty likely this was not a state-sponsored attack, right? And uh, there are certainly a lot of details we don't know, like how did it get there, and who's really behind it, and and some of those other questions. But you well, know,
1: define state-sponsored. I mean, to be very fair, there there is a possibility that this could be used to fund you know, terrorist organizations, separatist organizations. Uh, you know, there it's a lot of money. Right. I mean, it could just be straight up criminal gangs, and organized crime. Uh, but, you
0: know, no, I guess my, my point is we often, we, in the past, we have heard about attacks of this sophistication requiring the, the, the funding and backing oh, of, sure. a, of yeah. a nation, you know, that right. it would, this like would, North Korea. this would not be possible without <laughs> right. the backing of a nation. And, you know, here, here, here's an example, right? You know, and now I know that not everybody, and probably most people listening to the show, you know, aren't aren't protecting banking systems that are transferring around billions of dollars at a time. Maybe some hey, are.
1: speak for yourself, Bucko. Uh,
0: I I knew there's something up with you, um, <laughs> but uh, you know that uh, I I think the 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 point is that this type of T- these types of tactics are are going down market and you know we we just you know the the world is changing really fast and we've got to adapt
1: yeah i completely agree but we've always been skept- skeptical of the nation state level difficulty that's often prescribed to some of these and uh, <laughs> it's you know unless we're talking like a Stuxnet kind of stuff it's it's tough to argue that.
0: I, I, by the way, I, I have to say, since you brought Stuxnet up, you know, I, I've I've long been thinking about how likely it is that the the purveyors of these attacks are learning from you know the actual nation state attacks like Stuxnet, and you know Stuxnet one of the one of the hallmarks of Stuxnet was not only its whole the whole air gap jumping thing, but also, that it intentionally—that was uh,
1: that was bad BIOS, Jerry. That was different.
0: No, 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 no. We're talking about <laughs> Stuxnet. Sorry. Stuxnet also did that. Uh, I know. I'm, te- I'm teasing. am teasing Damn it. Um, Stuxnet. You know, one of the hallmarks of Stuxnet was uh, that it deceived the operators. Right. You know, and, and and so I, you know, I I'm I just wonder if we're we we are seeing a lot of those. Um, tactics that have been developed and and pioneered by maybe by state-sponsored attackers kind of, you know, hey, that's a great idea. Let's, you know, let's go put that into our, uh, into our toolkit.
1: That could be. I mean, the other aspect of the state-sponsored is when, you know, like the US government says, well, we've monitored it in such a way that we know it came from, so, so it's not a capabilities thing. It's a, we've seen, you know, on our special secret sauce that it was done by XYZ. And that's that's always a tough one to refute one way or the other. Uh, but that's, you know, what came out with so many pictures. Of, we're very, very confident it's North Korea because we have secret monitoring capabilities that told us it was North Korea. Well, okay, fine. So that's the other aspect, though, just what we were talking about. It's not always just the capability being state-sponsored nation-state. states. Sometimes you're like, well, we know because of
0: reasons <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think in uh I, I i think we've we've heard some of the you know those reasons like uh, you know the there was the deal in belgium where they had backdoored all the telecom switches and right um, you know there we i think we've we've since learned that a lot of the systems in north korea have been backdoored so you know, all seven it, of them there probably are in fact a lot of capabilities that we're not aware of. But I think that's neither here nor there for this discussion. I think the point is that the, you know, the the, or, the actual criminal attackers are just looking at those tactics and saying, Hey, that's a really damn good idea. Let's, uh, Certainly. you know, let's put that into our, our, our money stealing malware. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I mean, this is why it's an arms race. It always has been, it always will be. Yeah. So sure. interesting. I, I know we're spending a lot of time on Swift and, bank robbery and probably most of our you know listeners aren't in the position to even worry about this sort of thing but it's it's interesting that yeah. you know the the methodology and the level of sophistication that they went to for this particular attack
0: my my fear by the way is in in this particular case it was obvious. It was painfully obvious because while well, a billion dollars was just about to walk out the door, and eighty-one million dollars did. I mean, you can't get away from that. Um, but if it were a different scenario, I mean, this—if this, this were—if this were data, how likely would it be if you know if if you had uh, a more sophisticated actor? I'm not going to say nation state, but but you had a more sophisticated actor that had adopted some of these more sophisticated techniques, how, my, my, it's a rhetorical question, I suppose, but how often does this stuff happen that we have no idea, right? Yeah. Because, you know, if, if someone steals all your data and they clean up after themselves and and nobody like, you know, they don't post it on Pastebin or, you know, dump it on, dump it at some uh, uh, journalist's feet, you know, you may never know. Right, and, and they
1: knew here because money is, you know, not duplicatable in theory. Uh, it was gone, right? As it, whereas if they're copying out your data, hey, your data is still
0: there, <laughs> right? Right, and that's yeah, and that's my point. And I think that's yeah. the that's why I think this is relevant to the broader infosec community because we all have data to protect, and I think the adversary that we are trying to defend against is becoming. Uh, more sophisticated at a pace that w- we really don't understand. That's my, that's the, the net point that I'm trying to drive home here. Well, so, that's depressing. I know. It just says that, you know, we got us, we got to take a step back and say, okay, well, what are we going to do different? Because, um, you know, they're not going to slow down. Yeah. So, that's true. um, our, uh, our last story for tonight comes from the register. And this was a, uh, an interesting turn of events. So, um, so Facebook announced that they have a, um, a a bug bounty, right? So, one of the bug bounty hunters uh, named Orange Sai, who's a a lady who works for a company in Taiwan. Um, she she did a lot of working work to uh, you know kind of map out. Facebook's corporate network and found a server that was running a piece of software which was known in the past to be pretty buggy the software was called the uh, S Excel excelion uh, secure file transfer and uh, apparently it had had a history of some pretty significant bugs so she took a look and found uh, several more bugs which she ended up uh, reporting responsibly to that to that vendor and they were since patched. Uh, but while she was uh, poking around on Facebook system after she compromised it, she found that someone else had compromised it. Um, and interestingly, Facebook's formal response to this uh, is that, you know, that other compromise she saw, which were some, um, some web shells that were stealing credentials. So, so is, as Facebook employees were logging into the system that, uh, someone else had installed some, uh, you know, some other scripts that were stealing usernames and passwords, Um, you know, Orange Psy uh, found that and so, you know, reported that. And Facebook is saying that, oh, that was, that was a different researcher. So kind of an interesting thing. Um, The reason I wanted to bring this up is that in penetration tests, and we've talked about pen tests quite, quite a lot in the show. It is not uncommon to find, uh, in the process of a pen test, uh, one of your systems has been compromised. And you know the, the thing I wanted to bring up is, if you do have a pen test regimen, you should probably think about some kind of a protocol of how you want your tester to act, if um, you know if they do find something. So, you know in this in this particular case the timing is not really clear to me, but the initial stories were that, oh my gosh, this bug bounty person had found, you know, the, uh, the, that a server she was, um, you know, testing had been previously compromised. So that kind of tells me that, you know, m- maybe things got a little out of order and and that's probably not how you want things to go. So, um it's something to think about as you engage a a pen tester.
1: Yeah, indeed. In in this case I think it was
0: more coincidental bad timing right than anything. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So, anyway, g- good read. Um I, I will say assuming Facebook's um uh, you know description of the events are true, you know they they say that they were aware that this piece of software was pretty buggy and they had uh they had actually isolated it and uh so they they were pretty confident that it had uh, really didn't have any ability to compromise other parts of their network so likely story they they, they give themselves in the article they kind of give themselves a high five for uh you know, for yeah, it's interesting. Like, since we
1: didn't write it ourselves, we put it off in a corner and isolated <laughs> it. So, right. apparently, their entire environment is wholly in house written.
0: That's kind of what I took away from it. So, so,
1: so there seems to be a big, important story we're not talking about here, Jerry.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the um, in, in InfoSec land, it's the most wonderful time of the year, which which, of course, can only mean one thing, and that is. The Verizon Data Breach Investigations Report was uh, was just dropped on us like a like a like a lead balloon, and um, I still have not progressed past page twenty of eighty four. So well, uh, you know, words are hard. I know
1: they are big reading, words. Reading is tough. So here's the gig. Here's the plan. We're going to devote an entire episode, a full show, to the DBIR. That's Coming right. up next. Next show. That's right. Which and, will hopefully
0: we should be nope. it should be on time.
1: <laughs> no promises. <laughs> <laughs> we're busy. Uh so yeah, we we gotta do a lot of studying, take a lot of notes, and then give you
0: our take. Looks our special
1: special take. It looks like we can.
0: Looks like a good one though. I, um definitely give it a read if you uh you
1: know, and apparently, there's a wee bit of controversy.
0: And there is some controversy, which we will uh, we will definitely be covering. Yes, indeed. Some of the some of the uh, analysis and in, in, uh, uh, investigation techniques were were are a little controversial, and we'll, we'll talk about so that. Tell your friends,
1: gather the puppies. It'll be like a fireside chat. That's right. Gather around the radio box. Uncle listen Andy. to
0: us tell a story about the DBIR. Uncle Andy's going to tell a story.
1: <laughs> Hit off my lawn.
0: <laughs> oh. When I was a
1: kid, we didn't have data breaches. We had pies stolen off of windowsills.
0: That was it. You done? Yeah, I suppose. All right. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> we will talk again uh soon actually hopefully and uh uh, thanks to everyone for uh you know again for the comments on itunes hint hint um definitely subtle love those uh as you mentioned before thank you to the people who have donated to our patreon campaign that is awesome helps keep the lights on on the on our website and um, if you have any thoughts or uh, opinions on the show, give us an email to info at Uh You can find links to the stories we talked about tonight and uh, all of our back episodes and links to previous stories on our website at www.defensivesecurity.org. You can follow the show on Twitter at DefensiveSec. You can follow Mr. Kell on Twitter at Lurg and me on Twitter at malicious Lincoln. With it, we will talk again soon. Bye.
1: Have a great weekend, buddy. See you. Bye. Bye. Yeah. We shouldn't have all our interesting conversation when we're not actually on the show. We should like have it on the show.
0: We could just talk about llamas, because apparently that's what people really want to hear about. <clears throat> and your llama fetish. We don't talk about that.
1: You have a very specific furry fandom, I know. We haven't really made it until there's erotic fan fiction written about us. Oh, man. I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> Hi, Jerry. How are you this fine Wednesday evening? Super duper. How are you? I am in audit hell. But aside from that, I'm good. Just work as a bit of a bear right now. We have many, many audits afoot. Yep. Well, you know, and you know it's, it's the way it's, it goes. It's a it's an exciting and soul-crushing process,
0: but it pays the bills. It does indeed pay the bills.
1: What I what I really need is like back in in supposedly, you know, in in the olden days. Really talented people, not that I am one, but I'm saying if I could pretend I was, would find a really rich patron who would just. Support their endeavors out of the kindness of their heart
0: mm, okay
1: So if if I weren't already engaged to be married, I would say I could look for a sugar mama, but that would probably be awkward and Fiance ruining so I can't do that. So so I'll go with a patron route
0: This is the this is the 2016s. so but
1: no such luck. However, that does bring up that we do have amazing and I'm not joking here amazing patreon donors and i don't in any way want to not acknowledge their awesome generosity and it's amazing to me that random people out there in the world just give us money no less people are giving us money because you're anyway no i it, okay let me put. Let me, it's amazing to me that random people in the world are giving us money and we're not having to panhandle for it
0: uh okay i'm with you there anymore that was a long
1: answer for how am i doing